Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders. Tuesday mornings, live with First Seder Bismedrish. Special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will be joining the Shir. And I'd like to give Shvach Vaidot HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and a special thank you to Rabbi Greenspan because this is now a one-year anniversary of this year. We began last year right after Shavuos with the Kafachayim, whose yard site was Tess Sivan. We're going to be talking today about another yard site, which, as we'll see, perhaps is on Tess Sivan. And Baruch Hashem, this is the 40th shear in this series of the life and Torah of our leaders. For the Torah anytime viewers and or listeners, you might be a little confused, but... We only got onto Torah anytime Elul of last year, so there were about 10 or 11 Shurim that are not on Torah anytime, that happened before Torah anytime, which are on my website, RabbiDavidEgros.com, as podcasts. And Baruch Hashem, we are Mishabach the Rabbi for the Ovar, and we daven for the Osid that we should continue to be able to be Marbitz Torah. So today we're going to talk about. <clears throat> Reb Moshe Rivkish, or Rivkis, who is better known as the Be'er Hagoyla. And I don't think the history or the understanding of who this great Gadol was is well known, and myself included, and therefore I think it's very important for us to learn about him. Now, just to, to understand who we're talking about, if you open up any chilek of Shulchan Aruch, and you look on the top right corner on, or top left corner, whichever side of the page you're looking at, on the Amid Beis or the Amid Aleph, you will find the Ber HaGoyla, who cites the sources from the Gemara and from the Rishonim for every Halach and Shulchan Aruch, as we'll see. That was his claim to fame. And we learn, many people learn Shulchan Aruch, and even glance at the Ber HaGoyla, not realizing what his Avoida was, who he was, and understanding this great Gadol. So, Ramosha Rivkis, who it's a little bit uncertain when his yard site is. Some say it's Tess Sivan of Tough Lamed Bay, 1672, which would make it his 349th yard site last week. Others say it's Yud Ale, I'm sorry, it's Dalit Elul of Tough Lamed Aleph of 1671, which would mean that in a few months Dalit Elul is, th- is his 350th yard site. And we will see at the end of the year how um, um, it would seem which one is perhaps more correct. So now, in the preface to his Sefer, Beragoyla, which again, people don't even realize it's a Sefer. You think it's a couple little letters and Mar Makaimas at the top of the page of Shulchan Aruch. So if you look in the beginning of Shulchan Aruch, in some editions they have the full preface there. And he talks about his lineage. And he says his great-grandfather was someone named HaChavar Rabbi Yosef. The Chavar Rabbi Yosef, Ud Mutzal, he was an ember who was saved, Migzeras Vin, from the exile and the expulsion of Vienna in 1559. Thereabouts, there was an expulsion from Vienna. And he writes that his great-grandfather was someone who was saved from that uh, from that Sarah. Obviously, I'm sure that the expulsion wasn't just an expulsion. I'm sure there was also pogroms and, and, and murders as well. And that's probably what he means. This Rabbi Yosef had a son named Repsachia Seifer, the Kak Prague. He was the Seifer in Prague. And his Matzeva is written, Yosef Milam Shana, Hayustam Venemon, 
for more than 30 years, he was the cipher and he was Naman of the Kehila. He was a Lamdin, Bechazin, Lashemel, Sehila. It's a rhyme, and this is part of the Matseva. So he was the cipher in Prague. <coughs> Excuse me. So it would seem that Rabbi Yosef, after he left Vienna, went to Prague, and his son Repsachia was the cipher for more than 30 years. Repsachia had a son named um, Reb Naftali Hersh. Reb Naftali Hersh. Reb Naftali Hersh um, writes the Beragayla, Asher Yotzak Mayim Veshimesh Lifni Hagoyin Mereinu Rafal Ketzatzal Bekak Levov. He writes that my father, the Baragala writes, my father, Naftali Hersh, he learned Torah in front of the Baal Hasma. The Sma is on Shulchan Aruch as well, on Chayshim Mishpat, also the author of the Drisha and the Prisha and the Tur. Marein Rav Rafal Katz, he calls him. And he says his father learned by him after his marriage in the years Shin Nun Vav and Shin Nun Zayin, which is 1596 and 1597. And he says when he was, my father was in Lvov or Lemberg, he was in Lvov learning by the Sma. He um, edited and amended the Shulchan Aruch, and he wrote on the side of the Shulchan Aruch many, many different inyanim that he copied from the Shulchan Aruch of the Sma. So the Baragayla says that his father um, edited part of Shulchan Aruch, and he wrote a lot of the edits of the Sma in his own Shulchan Aruch. It would seem that Rav Naftali Hersh um, um, replaced his father after his father was Nifter as the cipher in Prague, in fact, the Baragayla calls his father, Reb Naftali Hersh, Seifer. And on his Matseva, it's written, Safra ben Safra. A Seifer, the son of a Seifer. Now, it's just interesting to note, Reb Sachia was Nifter in the year Shin Nun Tes. That's what it says on his Matseva, 1599. So, if Reb Naftali Hersh got married... Um, it says a few years after his chasana was 1596-1597, so his father was Nifter only a few years later, and then he became the cipher. However, Reb Naftali Harish himself was Nifter in Elul of Shin Samachalif, just a mere two years later in 1601, and on his Matzev it actually says, Rach Bishanim, it says he was very young in years, so he, he, he was Nifter young. Now, when exactly was Reb Moshe Rivkes born? So no one knows exactly when he was born. It was obviously in the 1590s somewhere, because his father was after his chasana in 1596 and 1597, and his father was Nifter already in 1601. So it was somewhere, some say 1591, others say 1600. Whichever it is, he was either 9 or 10 years old, or maybe even just a baby of 1 years old, when his father was was uh, was Nifter. Where was he born? Well, I guess it depends on the year, either in Prague or in Lvov, depending on exactly which year um, he was born and where his father was at that point. Now, <clears throat> he, we don't know much about his childhood. However, we know that eventually he went to Vilna. From Prague he went to Vilna, and it seems from the, from the historians that he married a girl from Vilna. Um, some want to say that he went to Vilna when the famed Rabbi Nachem Manish Chayos, who was a Rav in Prague, became the Rav of Vilna, and the uh, Rabbi Moshe Rivkis went along, went along with him. Now, why was he called Rivkis? It seems he calls his father Seifer and his grandfather Seifer, although there were no real last names in those days. So some say that his mother's name was Rivka, 
And we've had this numerous times that people are called after their mother or their father, Rivkish, or we have with other, you know, after fathers or grandfathers or Rabbeim. So if his mother was Rivka, they called him Ramosha Rivkas. Ramosha, the one of Rivka. And the truth is, if he was Taka Yosem from a very young age, it makes sense. His mother raised him. They didn't call him after his father. They called him after his mother. Others say his mother had a different name, Telsa, and maybe his wife or his mother-in-law was called Rivkas. No one's really sure. Um... When is, and he doesn't even ever sign his name as Rivkis. It's only later on that it's brought down, maybe on his Matseva or something like that, but we never find him signing his name as uh, Rivkis or Rivkish. So he went to Vilna, and um, he writes in Akdama to Beragaila, he had a bayis Mali Kaltov, seems like he was a wealthy man, he had a house full of everything, he writes he had a house full of Sfarim, Hain Mirusha Savimari, whether it was from the inheritance from his father, Hain Masher Zikani Hashem Liknais, whether it was the Sfarim that Hashem um, was Mazakami to, to acquire, and he writes, and I had in, in my library some Sfarim and Masechtas that I uh, toiled to be Magia them, to edit them, if you remember when we talked about Shalom Shachna Lublin and Marshal and others, there was a lot of editing going on in Shas in those Kufas in the 1500s. And um, this is early 1600s, I guess. And uh, he says, I edited a lot. I was Yagati Vitarachti, especially and specifically Zvachim and Munachas. I edited Harbi Tirchis Vigias Yagati, many bothers and many, a lot of toil. Harbizman Kalisi and I, I, I consumed a lot of time until I edited these two Masechtas properly. So it seems he really put a good, uh, a lot of work into those two Masechtas. And he writes, Shalva Haisa Bevesi, everything was calm in my house. He said, I had sons and daughters, the few that remained alive. So it sounds like he had a lot of children, and unfortunately, as was common in those days, many of them passed away at a young age, and um, he was left with a few, he writes. He says, I had, uh, I had my Talmidim, I guess it's referring to, who were, who were in front of me. I had kviyas asher kavati itim l'tayra amdali. I had set times for learning tayra. And I was always able to see <coughs> success in all my endeavors, which may be a a uh, a um, a way of referring to his his uh, material wealth as well. And after that, he writes govri yadoyev sar yovan hamask v'tir hischabri mamardim. And then began a problem. In the year 1654, 1655, Shin Yadalad and Shist Tesvav, um, I'm sorry, Tof Yadalad and Tof, and, and Tof Tesvav. Um, this is a few years after Tach Vitat. A few years after Tach Vitat. Tach Vitat was 1648 um, and 1649, and we know Chalmaniski and the Cossacks came and wreaked havoc. This is the, the commemoration of Chaf Sivan, which will be next week, and we gave a shir last year on Rabbi Chil Michal of Nemeroiv, and Chaf Sivan was the second shir in the series where we talked about what Chaf Sivan in Tach Vitat was, and um, he writes that, um, and he so what happened was so that was so a few so that was the beginning of the Cossacks and the 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 uh, Russians coming and destroying. Um, a lot of Europe and especially uh, Jewish communities. But that continued on for a while. So this is already six years later. Tuf Yadalin and Tuf Tezvav, 1654 and 1655, they were still wreaking havoc. And you'll remember we talked about this when we talked about the Shach 
in Adar, because the Shach was in Vilna at the same time, and the Shach had to run from Vilna as well in this time when the Russians and the Cossacks came and, um, and, and uh, overran Vilna. So he writes, Venechruvu Gamma Shana Hishnas Tof Yadal Tof Tezvav, and was destroyed in that year, in those years, Kilus Kedoshes Rabbis, Mimedinas Lit of Russia, many, many communities in Lithuania and Russia, Venergu, and many people were killed, Venisrefu Al Kedusha Shmayis Barak, many people were burnt Al Kedush Hashem, Basher Lishavi Lishavi, many people were taken hostage and captive. And it was a terrible time for Klai Yisrael. This was the aftermath and continuation of Tach Vitat, where millions of Jews were killed. So the Beragayla writes, when they came close to the city Vilna, and we actually quoted this piece of the Beragayla when we talked about the history of the Shach. On, the, on Dalit, on Wednesday of Chof Gimel Tammuz, Tov Tezvov, 1655, Most of the community, almost all of them, he writes, um, escaped the city and ran away. Those who prepared for themselves horses and wagons, they went with loaded wagons, with their wives, with their children, um, with some of their property. Those who didn't have prepared wagons, he writes, they walked biragleim, they walked by foot, they had their children, small children, riding on their shoulders, he writes. And Hashem in his Rachmanus, I guess a worker or an officer, um, or a, a servant of a certain officer, and could be he was a, because he was so wealthy, he might have been an influential person, um, he was able to procure for himself a wagon, and he sent he sent his family um, outside of Vilna, Kama Parsois, a few miles or a few whatever a parsa is, um, whatever length that is, outside of Vilna to safety. But he writes, I remained behind, because I didn't really realize what the danger was. And then he says, but towards evening, I was filled with fear, and the next day, I took my walking stick in my right hand, and I went with my, <coughs> with my, uh, with my tefillin in my right hand as well. And ubismaili sefer ivroinos. He took with him a calendar in his left hand. He writes because he was afraid. He says, "Who knows where I'm going to end up? And if I don't have a calendar, I know I won't know when Rishchaydish is. I won't know when Yontif is." So the two things he took with him. From his house was his tefillin and his calendar, and he says, I was so tumult from the fear, and I couldn't think straight." He says, "I just left everything there, <coughs> my entire house with my svarim, with everything that was in the house, I left there." And he says, "Especially, I, I felt most bad about the svarim that all remained." And he says, "I went He says, "The land was shaking from." the cries of the people leaving the town. Now, when the Shach escaped Vilna, it seems he went south, because he ended up in Lublin, and then he ended up in Moravia, and eventually um, he remained over there um, in Holoshev, in, uh, in Moravia. But from the Baragail, it seems he went north. They went north. And he writes that um, he, I, I came to Ktsei Medina's Zamyot, which is an area in Lithuania now, near to the Prussian border, the German-Prussian border. So that's more north and, and northwest, I guess. 
Um, and he says, over there also we didn't have peace. He says, we experienced the Pasuk in Amos that says, When a person runs from a lion, then he meets the bear. So we ran away from Vilna. He said the same thing. We ended up in a different war with the king of Sweden was waging a war against, against I don't know who, the Prussians or maybe the Polish government. A lot of wars were going, a lot of fronts were being fought at that time. And he says that we got stuck over there in that war. And he said we had no choice, but we had to get on some boats. He had to get on some boats, I guess, over there in, on the border, um, the Black Sea up there. Um, and um, he says we turned towards Amsterdam, which is a real long uh, trip, if you look at a map, to go all the way around um, uh, um, um, to get to, uh, to, to, to Amsterdam. And he says, when we got to Amsterdam, Amsterdam was full of Svardim, and they had Rachmanus on us, and they did stock of a chesed with us, and they spent a lot of money to give each person a place to sleep, give each person some food, give them clothing, give each person some money as well, some spending money they gave each person. And he says, it wasn't only our boat, there were many boats who came in this direction. And he says at that point, really, it was very expensive to live in, in Amsterdam. Not everybody, all these refugees, were able to stay there. So he says they sent them from there down to Frankfurt, which, again, is a real long uh, mahalach um, that these people went. And he says and in Frankfurt also, um, and he says in other, other uh, German cities as well, they went and they escaped to All these people accepted the ref- refugees and they, uh, and they helped them out. And he says, me, particularly in Amsterdam, Hashem put, gave a chain and a chesed in the eyes of the Chachamim there. There were two Chachamim, Reb Shol, Murtur, something like that, and, and the Maria Abua, Reb Yitzchak Abua, one of the great Sephardish um, um in, in Amsterdam. Now, at this point, he was already at least 60 years old, or around 60 years old, depending when he was when he was born. If he was born in 1591, we're already in 1654, 1655, or maybe even 56 by the time he got there. I don't know how long it took for him to get to the whole trip, but he was already not a young man when he came there. And he says he came with Ksasmi B'nai Beisai, some of his family. From the, from the continuation of the preface, it seems that one of his sons, Repsachia, who was named after his grandfather, remained back east um, and wasn't, didn't go along with him to Amsterdam. Because um, he writes that when he was working on the Beragoyl, as we'll see, his son sent to him the Shulchan Aruch that his father had edited with the Hagois of the Sma. Like we mentioned earlier, his father had edits from the Sma. So when he was writing the Baragayla, his son sent him that Shulchan Aruch, and even though he said he had left behind all his Svarim in his library in Vilna, he writes, Because four or five of my Svarim were saved, and one of them was the Shulchan Aruch of my father. And he says, um, <clears throat> he says, and when I, when I came here to Amsterdam, that Shulchan Aruch stayed back Bedina Zamyut, which sounds like that was, remember, the first stop he made after Vilna near the Prussian border. So somehow some of his Svarim made it out, even though he didn't take it with him. Maybe he was sent along the day before with his wife and children. I don't know. He doesn't write. He says, Eitzel Bal Echad. It remained over there. And then when I needed it, my son Repsachia sent it, sent it to me here in Amsterdam. And he writes, the Rabbanim and the Gvirim, they, um, they made, they, they supported me that I should be able to stay here till Hashem puts peace, gives peace to the land and I'll be able to return to Vilna. 
And then he writes that in this city, the Gvirim, one person was the doctor, he writes, Rav Afrayim Biano or something, and a, a, another of a person, Rav Yaakov Kashtilu, they decided that they want to reprint the Shulchan Aruch. Now, Shulchan Aruch was maybe 100 years old at the time, um, the Shulchan Aruch with the Hagois of the Ramah, and they wanted to reprint the Shulchan Aruch, but they wanted to put in all of the citations of where the halachas come from, from the Gemara and the Paiskim. Like if you remember, we learned about the Levush, and we learned about others that they weren't so happy that the Shulchan Aruch and the, and the Ramah didn't put in their Maramakaimas. So they wanted to put on the page where the sources for the halacha was, or were, and they asked me, he says, that I should be the one to do this job. And while I'm doing that job, I should also be editing the Shulchan Aruch from any typos or mistakes that are in the Shulchan Aruch. And like it's, you know, it's similar to what his father did using the Pirish of the Sma. He also did a similar type of thing. He says, but I refused to do it. He says it was too much. The Mar Makaimus, he says, is a Malacha Gedoyla to look, chipus, chipus, begemaras, to search through the different Gemaras, to be ma'ayin in the Beis Yosef, to find where exactly he found the source for his halacha, and then write the exact citation where it is, and the citation of the Gemara, and put it, do a good job, he says, it's much too much work. And he says, if I would have to do this, I would have to stop a lot of my set learning schedules, my kvius. And I didn't want to do it, initially. But then he says, after they came to me and they sent the Chacham, Rav Moshe Rifal, the Agliar, another of the, I guess, Svardish Gedolim there, it, with one of the Gvirim, they came to me a second time, and I could not refuse a Gadol Kamayu, such a big person like him. And therefore he says, I'm going to start, but I'm going to work slowly, because he was waiting for his son-in-law, Rav Bosher ben Yehuda, to come. And when he comes, he'll help me. He seems to have been a very chashavat hamachacham. And he figured, again, he wasn't a young man. He was close to 70 years old when he was asked to do this. And he wanted his son-in-law to help him. However, he says, my son-in-law was a chacham and a cipher. So it was perfect for the job. But then it seems his son-in-law was nifter in the interim. He says, my son-in-law was nifter when he went back to his house in Hamburg. I don't know exactly you know, where he was going and what he was coming from. And he says, so the job was left on me alone. And this wasn't simple. There were deadlines. He said, the printers and the workers, everyone's parnasa was dependent on me finishing the job. And everyone was waiting for me and they were, and they were pressuring me. He says, Menucha I had no, I had no rest. And I worked on this night and day. All my other learning. You hear the rhyme in what he was writing here. I left in the, in the corner. Um, now, In the Akdama, he writes that there should be six things that, um, six purposes or six um, things that a person should get when he's learning the Sefer Ber HaGaila. Why did he write it? The first is that number one, he should fix the mistakes. Fix the mistakes in it. If you have mistakes in something, it's, you get mixed up. And he says a lot of times when the Ramah says to look in a different simon, um, you know, for a certain halacha, a lot of times there was a mistake in where the simon was, and he says that I fixed. So the only thing I didn't touch was the Mar is that the Ramah himself wrote for his halachas. You know, Amal, sometimes the Ramah quotes a Maril, a Marivayal, he says, or a Mardchai, he says, I didn't, I didn't touch those because I didn't have his original say for the Darke Moshe to see exactly the sources. So I can't make corrections and sources if I don't know 
um, what the sources are. But when he tells you to look somewhere and there's a mistake in that, that I was able to fix. Number two is a lot of times there's something that's not so easy to understand and he explains what it is, whether sometimes it's a word um, or a concept. A lot of times you'll find in Shulchan Aruch like a translation of a word or, or, or an explanation of something that's in parentheses. And when you learn Mishnah or Shulchan Aruch, like in the Mechaber, you'll see a parentheses with some type of explanation. Who wrote those parentheses? That was not the Ramah. That was the Ber Hagoyla who wrote those parentheses. We don't even realize what he did for our Shulchan Aruch. Um, he says sometimes when there's a, a stira, there's a contradiction um, amongst a certain Ga'inim, he writes. So, you know, a Ramah maybe contradicts himself somewhere else. So on the side of the page there, the Baragoyla tried to give an answer so you shouldn't see, the, so it shouldn't be a contradiction. And then he writes, he says, someone who doesn't have a tour with Beis Yosef, and he only has a Shas, so when he learns Shulchan Aruch, he'll be able to go back and look in the Gemaras and see exactly where the source of the Halacha is. And he says, and even someone who has the tour, still, instead of having to go through the whole tour and the Beis Yosef and find the source of the Gemaras, here you see, just look at the side of the page and you'll be able to look up the Gemara and he even wrote the name of the Amirayim there, Kerav, Kishmur, Kerav Yechanan. You're able to very, very quickly find the source of the Halacha. A fifth thing he says, someone who's a Baki Bishas, so he says, if you are a Baki Bishas, so when you review Shulchan Aruch, now you have to remember, the Shulchan Aruch was written by the Beis Yosef, that one should review the entire four volumes of Shulchan Aruch every 30 days. So that's what it was made to do, Lechatchila. That was before there was a Magan Avram, and a Taz, and a Shach, and a Sma, and all the other, you know, nice Kalim on the page, but that's really what it was for and to review every 30 days. So he says, if you're a Baki Bishas, when you review the Shulchan Aruch with the Dinim, and you have on the page in front of you the names of the Tanoim and the Amiroim as well, you'll remember the Sugyas HaGemara, and it'll be as if you actually reviewed Shas together with the Halacha. Um, <clears throat> and then he says, there were a lot of edits that had gone on already in Shulchan Aruch, and there were mistakes and explanations of different things. And he says, when there was a mistake, I made sure to fix the, exp the, the mistake in the explanation and write the Pirush Hamiti. Now, he was very makbid, Reb Moshe, that, um, that his words should not be misconstrued as being the words of the Ramah. And therefore, whenever he added something in, he put it either, and he wrote this himself, he either put a star next to it or a circle next to it, um, now sometimes he also put uh, like a picture of a finger. If you ever learn Shulchan Aruch, you'll see a lot of times it's like a picture of a pointy finger in, in the Shulchan Aruch or in the Sma or in the Shach. And usually that denotes a Chiddush when it's in the Sma or in the Shach, some type of um, unusual or, or uh, original Chiddush. But he put it in to show where he added something in so no one should think that that's the words of the Ramah. And he also put them in parentheses or brackets. He actually put them in, not in parentheses. And he was very, he was very nervous about this. He was very nervous that it should be mixed up. Sometime he just put it on the side. Um, and it happens to be, as Shulchan Aruch was reprinted throughout the generations, a lot of times these things were left out. And when you learn Shulchan Aruch, 
you uh, don't even realize that it's not the Ramah that's talking, it's the Beragayla that's talking, or not the Shulchan Aruch that's talking, it's the Beragayla, because a lot of these fingers were left out, sometimes there's a little circle, sometimes there's a star, sometimes there's parentheses instead of brackets, you don't know what those parentheses mean, you think maybe it's the Ramah who put that there, really it was the Beragayla who put that who put that there. And sometimes things were totally lost, and his words became a part of the words of the Ramah and, um, and the Shulchan Aruch. For example, if you open up a Shulchan Aruch or a Chaim, Simon Bey, Sif Aleph, talks about getting dressed. <coughs> so it says, V'yachnis boy but he should put in his head and his arms into his shirt before he gets out of bed. So the word Roshai, his head is actually in parentheses, and that wasn't in the original Shulchan Aruch. That was added in by the Ber Hagayla, based on the source of where the Shulchan Aruch was writing it from. The Ber Hagayla added it in, and in the original print of the Ber Hagayla, it was in brackets. Now we have it in parentheses, but usually you just you know run straight through it with not realizing that those parentheses was actually an addition of the Ber Hagayla. Um, an interesting thing in Simon Vav, Sif Beis, and Hilchas Brachas, Abirchas Hashachar, in the first print of the Beragayla, so the Ramah says over there that someone who set, recited Birchas Hashachar in his house, when he gets to Shul, he shouldn't say it a second time because he already said them already in his house. So in our Shulchan Aruch, that's where it ends. The Ramah ends there. But in the original print, there was actually a little finger pointing and a bracket that says that a shliach tzibur kavua, that someone who is the set, the permanent chazin, so he could recite brachas at home, and then when he gets to the shul, he could repeat them again out loud to be moitzi, anyone who needed to be yitzi. In those days, the chazin a lot of times would be moitzi, the people in even in Birchas HaShachar in the morning. So he says, if the chazin's being moitzi, someone he could, and that's a quote he quotes from the shla from Rabbi Shai Horowitz, Baal Sefer, Shnei Luchas Habris, the Shla, and that was in the original, that was an addition that he put in there in, in Shulchan Aruch. However, our versions of the Mishaburah, the Shulchan Aruch, we do not have that piece in there. Um, and like I said before, many th- many times we don't, It's since the stars and the parentheses or the brackets were left out, we don't really know at times exactly which part was his and which part was um, the Ramah. Now he writes that when he first started writing, he actually wrote all of the sources of all the paiskim for, for each halacha. And then he realized it's much too much, so he stuck to the main rishayim, the rift, the rambam, and the rush. And everyone else, he would say, v'shin pei, v'shar paiskim, together with all the other paiskim. He says, unless the Mechaber, unless the Shonarch brings two opinions, so then he writes both opinions to make sure you know who is the author of each opinion. This, so it's very, so when you learn Baragayla on, on uh, Arachayim, Yerdeh, Avanezer, it's very, it's very Bikitzer, it's very short. That's why sometimes you don't even pay attention to it. Later on, the Vilna Gain also put sources in for the Shulchan Aruch, and most times you look down to the Vilna Gain, and, um, but the Beragayla as well is a place to look for the source. But when it came to Chayshem Mishpat, it's a little bit longer. And there, 
he uh, he didn't stick to his original plan or to his uh, um, changed plan of only writing the main paiskim. And he writes by himself, he says, that he put in many of the shittas in the Rishayinim and the Achrayinim. He says, since dine mamanes are mesurim l'chol ha-bezdin, since it's given over to Bata to, to a court, hoisafti veirachti yoyisir mi b'shar chelkei shloisha turam ha-rishayinim. So therefore I added much more, much more sources, many more sources than I did in the first three um, Turim, the first three Chalakim of Shulchan Aruch, because I wanted them to have as much, um, as many resources as possible on each Halacha. Now, he signs the Hakdama, his preface, he signs it, Koi Divrei, these are the words, Hatarud, the busy one, Bigoylamim Kaimai, the one who was exiled from his place, Hatsoyer, he calls himself young, he wasn't so young, he was in the 70s. Moshe ben Naftali her cipher zatzal mikak Vilna, and this is how he always signed everything. I'm Moshe from Vilna, Pai Amsterdam. I happen to be now in Amsterdam, I'm really from Vilna. Like we said, he was waiting to go back. <coughs> and um, the the date is Yom Dalid, is Wednesday, Betuv which is... Um, which is um, the 17th day of Elul, Tichyu, the year Tichyu, which is Tav Chav Dalid, which is, um, which is Tav Chav Dalid, which is 1664. Um, yeah, so, <clears throat> so, now, he, why did he call his Sefer Ber Hagayla? He writes, it's called a well, Shekarisi Ba'afra Zov Tichuach, because I dug into the soft golden dust or sand of the Chibar Hagadol, of the uh, great work that the Goyin the Beis Yosef wrote. So I dug into it to get the so- source of the water, I guess you would call it. You dig down to a Be'er, to the source of the water. And uh, he writes, Bigalusi Pai Amsterdam. I call it Gaila, I'm in exile because I'm here in exile. So that's why it's called Be'er HaGaila, the well that I dug while I was in Golis. Now at the end of each Chelk of Shulchanara, he ends off like many of the Mechabrim do with like a little bit of a poem with some stanzas to it or something similar like in Hilchas Megillah, the end of Arachaim, he writes, Nishlam Tor Arachaim, we've completed Tor Arachaim, the Hilchas Megillah. Shvach v'haydol l'noira alila, a uh, praise to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Who is Akeni Ligmar Eskula? You hear how it's rhyming, and he should merit me, give me the schus to finish the entire Shulchan Aruch v'yatzileinu mikol michshol v'takala, and save me from many mistakes. Baruch Hashem lo'elam amen v'amen. In the end of Yeridei and Hilchas Avelus is a very interesting little piece of Beragayla. The Ramah says over there that when a tzaddik is nifter, the last Ramah in Yeridei and Elchazavelos, when a tzaddik is nifter, three groups of malachim give him shalom when his neshama comes up, and they say, Yavoy b'shalom, he should come in peace. So the Baragayla writes, he says, what's the reason for three groups of malachim? He says, because the Torah and the Maisim Toivim of tzaddikim are in three different aspects. In their minds, b'machshava, in their speech, and in their action. Machshava dibura maiser. And therefore, for each one of those categories, there are malachim that come to give him ischar. Each category has its malachim that give him ischar. Those are the three groups that come to tell the tzaddik, Yavai b'shalayim, and they give him shalayim when he comes up to Shemayim. And he writes, Yiratzen shenizke gamkein shezeyeh Yiratzen, that should be our chalak as well, that we should be zeyeh to those malachim. 
Baruch Hashem Leilam Amin Vamin. Again, he says the same Lashon like he said before. In Evan Ezer, I didn't see that he ends off with anything, but maybe it's it got uh, left out of the Shulchan Aruch because it's it's you know he does it everywhere else. It'd be interesting that he didn't write anything on Evan Ezer. In Chayshin Mishvat, the last simon in Chayshin Mishvat, which is Hilchas Shmiras Hanefesh, a person the halachas that a person has to remain safe. There's a very famous Beragayla there, or maybe it's not so famous, but now it'll be famous as I say it. Um, that the reason that the Torah um, gave us a mitzvah of Shmiras Hanefesh, of being safe, he says, because Hakadosh Baruch Hu created this world bechastoi lehetiv lenivraim. He wants to be mitiv. He wants to give good to those to his creations. He wants them to recognize his greatness. He wants them to serve him with his mitzvahs and learn his Torah. And then he'll be able to be mitiv and give them schar for their hard work. He says, but somebody who puts himself in danger, what are you putting yourself in danger for? Hashem put you in this world to serve him. That means to live, to do his mitzvahs, in order that he could give you schar. That's the Ratzon Hashem. If you put yourself in danger, Mayas Beratzon Bayrei. He says, that's a person who is Mayas. He's like disgusted with the Ratzon of his Creator. I don't want to be here for what the Rabbi Nishon wants me to be here for. Hashem wants me to be alive, to, to, to serve him and to get schar. And I'm going to go put my life in danger because I don't really care about that. There's no worse zilzal, degradation and disgrace. And even he says, apikursus, heresy, more than this. He says, and then he ends off again. Now, at the end of Shulchan Aruch, and it's not printed in all the Shulchan Aruchs, but at the end, he has like a sort of a song that he wrote. And he's in there we glean a few things. He writes over there, I'm hoping that Hashem will help me to finish Klali Hara Muskam Umikubal. A certain type of work that are the Klalim of Paskaning, of Psak Halacha, that he wanted to it should be um, it should be combined, it should be attached to the Shulchan Aruch like a Kuntras Achrain, like a, an end page to the Shulchan Aruch that it should give the klalim of how one should paskin. So, you know, if there's a machlekes rishainim, how, how do you come to a psak? There's something called klali hayra. So it seems he wanted to print that, but he didn't, uh, we don't have that. And then he says, I also hope to finish my, my explanation, my pirish and mishnayis, that I called klei ha-goyla, the the vessels of the goyla, of the exile. And he writes that it's a ma'asav mikol pirushim it collects... And I gathered in from all the the commentaries, and um, and um, and then he says, Yishpoi Shalom. I'm hoping that Hakadosh Baruch Hu will bring peace, Biachzireini Lekak Vilna, and will bring me back to Vilna. So we don't have these svarim. Again, you see, he called it Goyla. This was very much on his mind that he was in Amsterdam, he was in exile, always looking to get back to Vilna. Berha Goyla, Klia Goyla, um, and in the year Tavcha Vav 1661. Um, he actually, um, he actually returned to Vilna. In 1661, he returned to to Vilna. Um, now, one last thing is a very famous piece from the Beragayla, and we can't not talk. We can't talk about him and not say this. In Shin Memches, in Chayshemishpat, when he's talking about doing business and tricking a goyim, there's two things. There's Tosakum when a guy makes a mistake. And then there's being mata a guy and actually tricking him. And so also again in, in halacha, if mutter, aser, 
um, in our Shiurim and Chayshem Mishpat, the Yerucha program. Um, we talked about this Barichos. Um, those Shiurim are on my, on my podcast, on my website. And he writes there, And I'm writing this for generations. He says, Because I've seen many people who have become rich because of mistakes that they tricked Goyim and they made a lot of money on it. And what happened was eventually they were not successful and they lost all their money. And they left nothing over to their children. And I see many people who are Mekadish Hashem and they returned mistakes that were made. Bidover Chashuv, in a significant amount. And they returned it to the guy who made a Kiddush Hashem. They became very rich and successful and they left over money to their children and to their descendants. So he's writing this, that when you make a Kiddush Hashem, Hashem will pay you back. If Chas V'Shalom is a Chil Hashem and you trick Gayim, and because of that you make a lot of money, unfortunately it may not last. He was Nifter in Vilna. He was Nifter in Vilna, and he was buried in the old cemetery in Vilna, which does not exist anymore. Right now it's just an open area with cement. The Chaya Adam is there. The Vilna Gayim was there. His kever was moved with Avram and Avram. And... Um, in the Sefer Kirya Nemana, which talks about the Rabbanim and the history of Vilna, which from the, and it was written in the mid-1800s, he writes over there that they don't have the original tombstone of the Beragayla. He writes he went to the Beis HaKfaris and there was some new stone on it, and it didn't say exactly what day he was Nifter, and in fact it said on it, No one knew exactly when he was Nifter. For some reason it got lost. Somewhere it was written that the stone was taken and put in a museum in Vilna somewhere, Again, it must have been in the 1700s. Um, I don't know why they would take a stone and put it into a museum, but one of the earlier Sfarim said such an idea. However, when we put the dates together, there's a Tzavah, there's his, his, his will, he wrote to his son on Yud Gimel Tammuz, um, Tuf Lamed Aleph, on Yud Gimel Tammuz of um, Tuf Lamed Aleph, which would be 1671. So he was still Nifter, he was still alive, Yud Gimel Tamo, 1671. And there's a psak from Abesdin to his son of what to do with his father's debts from the next year, Zion Iyar, Tuf Lamed Beis, 1672. So he had to have been Nifter either at the end of Tuf Lamed Aleph or the beginning of Tuf Lamed Beis. Sometime from Tamos of 1671 to Iyar of 1672. So if we go back to our original dates that we thought he was Nifter on, if we say it was Tess Sivan, Tuf Lamed Beis, that can't be, because already in Iyar, he had already, of Tuf Lamed Beis, it talks about him as Zatzal and his estate, he had already been Nifter. So it's more logical, it was actually Dalit Elul of Tuf Lamed Aleph of 1671, which would mean his yard set is coming up in Elul, in a few months it'll be his 300 and, um, 300 and, 50th yard site. Now I just want to say, not only do we have the Beragayla Sefer, but the Rav of Vilna at that time was a Yid named Ramosha Kramer, Gain. And him, together with Ramosha Rivkis, they were the two Gedailim of Vilna. And they became a Chutanim. Because Rebbe Yahu, the son of Ramosha Kramer, married the granddaughter of the Beragayla, the daughter of Rapsachya. And he was, now, this Rebelio, the son of Ramesha Kramer, is called Rebelio HaChassid. He had a son named Rabbi Sacher Ber. Rabbi Sacher Ber had a son named Rabbi Shleim Azalman. And Rabbi Shleim Azalman had a son named Rabbeinu Elio Kramer, the Vilna Gain. The Vilna Gain. So the Ber HaGoyla was the great-great-grandfather of the Vilna Gain. 
that um, that uh, so so who who became the also called Elio Achosid, even though his great grandfather was also called Elio Achosid. So not only is the Bera Goyla a goy a gadol unto himself, but Negea to us as Klal Yisrael, the Vilna Goyin is his Einikol, and um, they were buried near each other actually in the old cemetery of. Of Vilna, there were those who said when they moved the Vilna Gain's kever, the Beragoyla was one of those. There's six other kvarim in that oil. One of those moved with him. However, on the matzevas inside of the oil, it's none. His name is not there. Other people's names are there. So, assuming that whoever moved them knew exactly who they were moving, so it doesn't sound like he's actually in that in the Vilna Gain's um, oil. He is probably back still in the old cemetery with the great kedolim of Vilna. And um, now we have, I think, a little bit of an appreciation of those small little letters and citations on the side of our Shulchan Aruch. Schusa Yagen Aleinu Kal Yisrael. Kaltov, everyone.